Gaming Radio Network at ParanormalKing.com. Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of April 27th, 2021, and this is officially episode number 477, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. You can also get links to listen live as well as join the chat room at ParanewsInsider.com, the official home of the Paranormal News Insider. And this week we've got some interesting news, as always, from all over the world. We're going to go to uh, Australia. We're going to go out uh, to Northwest California. We're going to go to Scotland. And uh, we'll talk some uh, government stuff here in the United States on UFOs, UAPs. And uh, why not? We're going to talk some cattle mutilations as well. People seem to like that. And, uh, man, it was a beautiful day today. I had to uh, spend all day pretty much uh, being off from work. Spent all day out in the yard. And I'm tired. A little sunburned, a little, little red here. But uh, I, spring is here officially, I think, here, at least in northeast Ohio. Granted, uh, this time last week we had, let's see, what is today? Yeah, Tuesday. So uh, a few hours from now, last week, we had about eight inches of snow, and we ended up with uh, about 10, 10 to 12 inches of snow. So you never know what you're going to get in Ohio. We go from snow to 80s in a, in a few days, but it is what it is. Got to enjoy it while you can. Um, hopefully, the weather's out uh, nice where you're at as well. Now that we got the weather report out of the way, uh, a couple of anomalous notes. So I uh, got uh, word today that uh, this weekend's, I totally forgot it was this weekend already, the uh, Ohio Bigfoot Conference is officially sold out. Uh, that takes place May 1st at Salt Fork State Park a Lodge and Conference Center in Lower City, Ohio. Beautiful area. I went uh, kayaking there a few years ago, gone hiking there numerous times camping there more times than i can remember they have a place called bigfoot ridge camped out there once usually i go to the campground and spend an arm and a leg there it's expensive to uh, camp at a state campground uh, but just absolutely beautiful beautiful lake and uh, the woods are extremely full of deer and uh, other creatures of course uh, looks like I've got to update the ghost conferences and conventions, but uh, looks like it's in that area. It's a little quiet this weekend, uh, but you got a bunch of stuff coming up, man. You know, we're still in the grip of COVID-19, so be careful if you're going to go out to these events. Uh, looks like things are loosening up here in the United States as far as uh, how many people you're allowed to have, where, and what's going to happen with what. Seems like people are getting a little bit more lax anyway. Uh, but just be careful. That's all I can say. Uh, be sensible. Be smart. And uh, be cautious. And don't just assume because the weather's nice that everything is back to normal. That's, uh, that's how bad things happen. 
And uh, let's see, one last thing here. Yeah, big thanks to Ken Mark for inviting me on his uh, show, Somewhere in Dreamland. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was uh, usually on these shows, when it's a really good show and you have a good host, you totally lose track of time. And that's what happened. Uh, it was an hour and a half discussion about ghosts, cryptozoology, and UFOs. And kind of focused on the investigation methods behind them. That's kind of where I usually end up trailing off to anyway. Uh, get the link up to that on paranewsinsider.com uh, as soon as I can. I got it on my personal Facebook site. People still use Facebook. I don't even know anymore. Um, yeah, great show. It's It's been a while since I've been on a show because I haven't done anything other than this show. Uh, when you stop writing books, all of a sudden you... Stop getting invites to shows, it seems like, it's, but that's okay. I still got things to talk about, uh, but uh, had a lot of uh, good fun there in Somewhere in Dreamland, and I'm trying to remember where that show was. That was on Spotify. Weird, I've spent a lot of time on Spotify lately, um, but great show, and uh, actually, I was a, a guinea pig for that show. It was the first guest, but don't let that... Uh, Make you not want to listen to that show. It was uh, very professionally done and uh, had, like I said, a great time. And I've been on a lot of shows, and I can tell you that one's going to be around for a while. Uh, so let's jump into news. Why not? Cryptid news this week. And uh, I talked about it last week. We talked about four shows on Bigfoot, and one of which I'd never seen before, Pottersville. So... Uh, that day, during the day, I went in and uh, watched Pottersville last week. Uh, you know, I gave a little review last week. It's actually pretty good, uh, despite the uh, eh, semi-good ratings or semi-bad ratings, depending on how you look at it. But uh, enjoyable movie, kind of a uh, they kind of tricky. It's one of those that you think it's about. Uh, I talk about Bigfoot, but it's a it's a cute. Kind of like a date night movie kind of thing. And uh, it's a kind of a feel-good thing. It's a little bit of a Christmas theme to it, but I really I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the Bigfoot theme is hilarious. If it wasn't for that, I, I probably wouldn't have liked it. But if it was about anything else but that. Uh, but absolutely hilarious how they portrayed the, uh, the Bigfoot expert TV show uh, guy on there. And just absolutely... F- funny beyond funny if you're uh, a fan of any of those things and of course i also mentioned the uh, three-part series on hulu called sasquatch and i hadn't watched it at that point i i'm a i'm the kind of person I, i'm not gonna if i watch the first episode of a three-part series and i don't like it i probably won't watch the other two so i forced myself to watch all three in one sitting and it wasn't that long. There were 45 minutes. I think the first one was 45. The second one was like 50-something. And the third one, I think, was like 41 or 42 minutes. And it goes pretty quick. There's a few a few parts in it where you feel like you could probably just get up and go for a walk and come back and not really miss anything. Uh, but yeah, I watched all three of the three-part series. And it's uh, obviously, you probably read about it if you're interested in it. If you haven't. Uh, it's based around Northwest California's marijuana growing areas, uh, three counties that are known as the Emerald Triangle, not just for marijuana, but because it's uh, very fertile. It's home to the giant redwoods. It seems like everything grows 
out of control there. Uh, the series was based on the experience of investigative journalist David Holthouse, who remembers an, an experience that he had in the early 1990s of a story where a Bigfoot purportedly killed workers on a drug farm. So he was a witness uh, to somebody who witnessed that. And uh, for some odd reason, he just kind of forgot about it until uh, 2021 and uh, put out a uh, three-part series on it. And I'll, I'll say I've heard from a couple of other people, and I have to agree with it. Uh, it's a little slow, and it does kind of stall out in a few places. And thank goodness I sat down and forced myself to watch all three because I probably wouldn't have watched it. Well, I probably would because the, the Bigfoot stuff is there pretty heavy in the beginning. Uh, but it does kind of fade out after the first episode, and then they kind of tie it back in there at the end. So they kind of trick you a little bit. But uh, much of what's in this series, it's it's like reenactments, and they warn you in the beginning of that. And a lot of them are extremely obvious, especially the phone calls. You can tell that they're not they're not live, they're or they're not recorded. They're just um, a reenactment. Some are some you can't tell. Some yeah, none of them really sound like they're they're actually happening, but. Uh, uh, there's a little bit of sense of danger due to the violent nature of the, the pot growing business and uh, general lawlessness that's described a number of times in the series. Uh, but there isn't much to generate any tenseness or uh, any drama for me as a viewer. I really wasn't on the edge of my seat for really anything. Uh, as far as Sasquatch goes, uh, it's pretty much uh, falls flat after the first episode. Like I said, it ends up. Uh, pretty much like how I figured. I won't uh, give anything major away, but uh, I, I really feel like they, they kind of use Sasquatch as a hook to gain viewership. They didn't really even, I mean, granted, yeah, it's at the middle of all this, but they kind of use it in a weird way, and you'll kind of figure that out when you finish it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it kind of uh, tried to debunk the phenomena there in the, the third one a little bit. Uh, as a side to the investigation, the claim of the three murders, it just kind of felt awkward a little bit there in the third episode. And uh, rumor has it they're talking about doing uh, a follow-up on that, but I don't really see what's left at this point. Uh, do I recommend watching it? Eh, sure. If you, if you got nothing else on the queue for Hulu, you're all caught up on all your other TV shows. Uh, just remember, this isn't exactly about Sasquatch, even though it's called Sasquatch. I think if, you, if you've if you seen it, I think it would have been better off being called Bigfoot. It uh, would have made a lot more sense to me. Um, again, it's, it's more focused on the pot industry of California and the investigation into these murders, uh, as well as uh, a lot about David uh, Holdhouse and his... His life, I suppose. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not really into the, the true crime stuff, but uh, apparently it's all. Um, you know, a lot of people love that stuff. I can't really get into any of these series that do that. Uh, but uh, nice twist with the uh, the Bigfoot slash Sasquatch tie in. I think it's uh, very interesting. And they did have a lot of footage and you get to meet some uh, colorful characters along the way and uh, some familiar faces are also on there that make it pretty cool make it comforting to watch as well that's my uh, Siskel and Ebert let me give it a, a thumbs up or 
I give it a thumbs up just just because of the the Bigfoot stuff that's in there. Yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll give it a thumbs up. Anyway, uh, question. See, I see a question in chat uh, about the stats for MUFON. So I, I did get the the uh, sighting statistics for March, but nothing for January and February. And I've dug up. Uh, went on the MUFON.com. I, I emailed a few people, and I've not heard back from most of them. And the other people said that they didn't get anything either, and they're members of MUFON. So I'm not sure what's going on. I kind of figured that things would uh, fall apart a little bit after the uh, organization's kind of fallen apart a little bit. They're also going through a move. They're moving everything out from uh, Colorado to uh, Cincinnati. So I don't know if they they lost it in the move or what. I, I don't know. But um, probably not. Probably not. But uh, hoping to get uh, all the stats so I can focus on that this year. But, you know, I think UFOs are going in a different direction other than the, those reports. But, you know, I think I did it for four or five years. And uh, really didn't get anything out of it, I don't think, looking back on, on these sightings. And, yeah, they just want to uh, – they just want membership – and that's why I'm not there. I, I just don't see that organization really doing anything meaningful for the general public, for investigations. Uh, for any, I mean, where are they at? With all the stuff going on, you hear more from uh, New Fork, which is pretty much two people, uh, one guy behind the, the screen and, and uh, somebody who operates the website. That's pretty much it. But you hear more in the media from them. Than MUFON, which is a giant organization. It's really silly when you think about it. Uh, it's sad. They, they've this is the golden moment. They should be out there flexing muscle in the public. They could certainly pick up a lot more investigators and a lot more people willing to plunk down whatever they're charging nowadays for the fancy plastic card with uh, the MUFON logo on it and, uh, and a bunch of emails talking about their 2021. Move on conference. Anyway, back to cryptid news. So uh, one of the coolest topics I like talking about, even though it's really frustrating because you never really get any sort of answers for anything, despite how popular this topic is, is mysterious cats. So in Australia, uh, we've got some problems. We got some uh, big cats that are thought to be on the loose in Australia. Same here in the United States. And uh, also in the United Kingdom, which I think is pretty cool. And they call them ABCs, alien big cats, which is pretty cool. You should call them that there in the United States too, I think. Alien big cats, because they don't belong here. You should uh, put them in camps. So are there mysterious big cats roaming Australia? That's the big question. They got a lot of other weird animals running around there. Things that I have no idea what they are. Uh, but a group of avid outdoor Australians started a group called the Blue Mountain Ex uh, Explorer. No, Blue Mountain Explorer back in 2016. See, the Blue Mountains everywhere. Been to the Blue Mountains in Jamaica. But uh, not Australia. Never been to Australia. Uh, today they're known as hashtag Lost Mountains. It's abbreviated. It's L-O-S-T-M-T-N-S probably fit on a license plate and uh, the group has amassed over 95,000 followers on Instagram I don't know how many I have I think maybe nine 
on uh, the Paranormal News Insider Instagram page. I don't know. I haven't checked in a while. Uh, recently, they embarked on an adventure to the flood-affected Blue Mountains, which is west of Sydney in New South Wales. Um, so the group stated they found numerous prints of what they feel are large cats. And if you're in the chat room, you're in luck because... Uh, well, maybe you're in luck if I can find it here because I have, there it is, a uh, copy of that picture, which I'll post in the chat room. So one of the extra little things you get if you're listening live and you're able to uh, check into the chat room to get some extra pictures here. So here is a picture uh, taken in some sand and deep breath uh, because you're going to go in search of animals. Uh, bring something for scale, not your hand. Not your hand. Your hand doesn't really count. Uh, we all have different size hands. I mean, it's a nice estimate, but uh, bring a ruler, preferably an L-shaped ruler, uh, or just a regular ruler. I mean, there's a lot of other objects you can use, um, but eh, at least I did something, I suppose. I shouldn't be too mad about that. Uh, so, yeah, there's a hand next to uh, a couple of indentations. And that, I'll be honest, that does not look like a cat to me at all. Uh, the cat is uh, putting their paws in sand. They're not getting a good grip. You're probably not going to see claws, uh, but you might. Uh, but yeah, it just doesn't doesn't do it for me. That could be any kind of animal. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Australian animals, um, but they said uh, they found a bunch of prints that uh, can be nothing but large cats. And this group is made up of people who are athletic. They brag about that quite a bit. And the areas that they were in are very remote and difficult to get to. So this isn't somebody's dog that they're walking uh, along a, a riverbed here. Uh, George Kaplan of the group shared their findings with news.com.au and said about the finding the big cat tracks. He says, quote, we were 75% convinced, but there's still 25% skepticism there. But after this, not a chance, unquote. Emphasis is mine. Uh, the group had uh, intended to follow a river through the area, but uh, with heavy flooding in the area recently, the uh, banks were impassable in numerous sections due to down trees and debris clogging up the banks. Uh, so the group instead had to float downstream off and on for three days to navigate through the area while inspecting the riverbanks for evidence of these purported large cats. Uh, Kaplan explained, quote, three days in the water was a long time and it was very cold. We had to regularly stop and do push-ups, star jumps, and just running on the spot to warm up. As we were walking along the river, that's when we saw all these prints. And we saw them two days in a row. We were in the middle of absolute nowhere. To even get to this area, you'd have to be one of the most extremely skilled campers. We had hundreds of hours of preparation. We had ropes. We had gear. We're all ultra-athletes. We all regularly compete nationally and statewide in ultra marathons and climbing competitions. Even we struggled. 
And we got to this area that is just not accessible. And there's all these prints. You know, I mean, it's quite clear there's something there, unquote. Uh, I told you they brag about being in shape. And, you know, being an ultra athlete, um, you know, unless you're used to being in cold water, unless you're conditioned for that or swimming or the conditions, it doesn't matter how in shape you are, you're still going to get tired. Uh, or not in shape you are, you're still going to get tired. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. But uh, many locals in the area and other areas around Australia have claimed to see large cats roaming free. So what I mean by large cats, not just house cats or feral cats, because um, they don't really have any large cats native to Australia. Uh, but they do have a very very large feral cat problem. The The country is overrun with feral cats. Uh, they've decimated a number of native species, uh, even domestic cats. So cats that live with people that, uh, you know, they let run out and uh, run around the neighborhood. I don't know why you would in Australia. They got some dangerous things, scary animals over there. Even those domestic cats are a problem. They're estimated to kill two billion animals annually two billion with a b wow uh, feral cats have been targeted by many and a number of attempts have been made to eliminate the feral cat population i mean they literally i know this sounds bad but they literally go into places and just bag them they just they just kill them because uh, it, it's just so overrun with these cats but feral cats only get so big and uh, wouldn't uh, generate a paw print that would be as big as a hand. But uh, as far as somebody seeing one in the wild, yeah, you can be fooled by a big house cat. And you can think uh, people all the time are fooled by that and think that they see a larger cat than what was really out there. Uh, however, this group, these Lost Mountains people, uh, never saw anything. They just got these uh, prints. And they're claiming they're cats. That you know, the ones that I've seen in some of the pictures, uh, they don't look like cats to me at all. Uh, so I, I'm not sure what their definition of a cat is, but uh, we're you know we're talking mountain lions, you know, also known as cougars or panthers, puma, not the shoes, but the. Uh, you know, also uh, jaguar, I suppose, or leopards. Uh, any other species of cat, not just the, the black ones. Whereas whenever you say a, a leopard or jaguar, people automatically think of a black panther. But, you know, the regular one with the uh, roseate uh, colors on them. Um, yeah, these big cats are said to be running around. Now, as far as big cats go in the, in the Blue Mountains area. There is a creature in folklore. It's been a part of local folklore for a long, long time. It's called the Blue Mountains Panther. Not very original, but uh, for a regional creature like that. But uh, we'll take it. We'll take it. The Blue Mountains Panther. Uh, it's thought that a cat or cats may live in the wild and are actually descendants of cats. So they're uh, making little cats out there in the wild that were released by World War II soldiers 
which uh, used big cats as military mascots. Uh, so they're apparently breeding out there. So you'd have to have at least two, uh, probably more, because you can't have two breeding too long. And if they have offspring that breed, uh, you generally end up with a lot of problems. And after a few attempts, they uh, they can't breed anymore because they don't live very long. Uh, it's also thought that circus animals may have escaped or been let loose, as well as the hypothesis that black market cats may have been let loose sometime over the 20th century. So people buying these things and realizing that uh, they have nowhere to contain them or are going to get caught, yeah, just open the door and let them run free. Um, not advisable. Not something that you want to do. Um, yeah, don't do it. It's worse than the alligator problem uh, that we've seen. And officials. So officials in, in Australia, it's uh, it's kind of like the UFOs here in the United States. They, they seem to flip-flop over the years. Uh, officials will state that it's possible that a small number of creatures may exist in the wild and occasionally kills are blamed on the animals. But other times, it's a flat-out dismissal. These cats aren't there. Uh, it's completely made up. There's no evidence discovered. There's nothing there. And, of course, when there's denial, uh, this leads to more mystery behind the sightings, and people get a little bit more interested in the possibility that there's really something going on here. But, yeah, are the latest findings. So are these prints proof of big cats in the wild in Australia? Well, again, the photographs I've seen of their adventure uh, don't look cat-like to me at all. You might be an ultra-athlete, uh, but I don't think you know a cat from a qual or uh, a dingo or anything else, for that matter, of what kind of sign they leave behind. Uh, but I'm not really familiar with the sign of most of Australia's creatures, but I am pretty familiar with the prints of cats and uh, large cats. And I'm I'm just not seeing it. I mean, it's possible. Uh, but the other than this one, there's a couple of other ones that it just they're really ambiguous. I mean, it could be a dog, could be a cat, could be uh, any other creature. Granted, a dog, you'd see claws on it, but uh, a lack of claws doesn't mean that it's definitely a cat. Um, the other problem goes into uh, you're just taking it for what you see. And that print doesn't look fresh to me. It looks like it's been around a while there. And again, they just had heavy flooding, so it probably isn't too old. But I'm not familiar with the area. I don't know the weather. I don't know exactly where they were at. And you have to understand that uh, sand is not a good place to uh, get prints or to look at things like that. Uh, wind, rain, other elements, including time, can make these prints bigger or smaller, more elongated, wider, uh, can totally change the shape of these things and make it uh, pretty impossible to really figure out what you're looking at. It has to be really good conditions in sand, just like snow. Everyone would think that snow is the easiest because uh, you can see prints from a mile away. Uh, but the heat signature of a foot going through the snow usually melts the snow a little bit and makes the prints look a little bit bigger than what the creature really is. And again, a little wind, and that's, uh, the track really gets distorted. A little heat, and now you've got a, a really different track that you're looking at. The same holds true with sand. 
as well. Um, I mean, one would think that a creature would have turned up by now, and we're kind of getting into that Bigfoot territory. Uh, but big cats have a tendency to, especially mountain lions, they're not predictable. They don't hide. They don't stay in deep woods. They don't av- completely avoid people. They, they want to. Uh, but every now and again, they wander into a city where they wander onto a road where they're struck and killed by a car. And we haven't seen that in Australia. At least it's not been reported in Australia. Um, you never know. Could have been, ha- could have happened, just not reported. Uh, and like I said, many countries claim to have big cats roaming the back country. And if these stories are true, uh, just like the story here in Australia, they're probably exotic pets that were, either let loose or escaped. We've talked about that in the United Kingdom uh, with the laws that were enacted in the 1970s because in the 60s, it wasn't uh, out of the ordinary to see somebody walking down the street with a large cat on a chain, just chilling, just walking down the streets of London, pretty much. Um, But uh, stories have persisted for decades in Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States, while very little evidence has been found to support the claims. And I wouldn't say that the evidence gathered here is uh, really all that persuasive. They're very convinced, uh, but how many animal experts did they bring with them? We can brag about how much you can run, uh, how many star jumps, whatever that is, you can do. Um, but yeah, I, I, you should have brought a couple of animal experts with you. You could put them on a, a floaty going down the river if you have to I mean I wish you know I wish we could find loose uh, segments of wild cats somewhere it would be pretty cool to find that but uh, yeah we got to have a little bit more than this one last story in cryptozoology here on the Paranormal News Insider again live on the Paranormal King radio network at Paranormal King dot com the Loch Ness Monster I know we can't seem to go more than a week or two without talking about the Loch Ness Monster but don't worry because it's dead again but probably not Uh, so the Loch Ness Monster has been rumored to have died a number of times over the years I think last year it was like twice in one year they thought it was completely dead or escaped uh I mean, it's uh, more than once it's been claimed that Nessie took a stroll out in the ocean only to be seen again uh, roaming around Loch Ness. Well, purported to be seen roaming around Loch Ness. Uh, This latest possible demise of Nessie comes in the form of giant bones, which were found on the beach of a remote island in the Outer Hebrides uh, off the coast of Scotland. Beautiful islands. A uh, pretty remote area, though, but uh, I think it's like a five-hour ferry ride to get out to these islands. Uh, Hannah Burns was walking her dog on the Isle of uh, South Uist when she spotted a giant set of bones that looked like the back of a giant creature. I saw one picture that somebody put the uh, uh, the Star Wars picture with C-3PO, and you can see the like the dinosaur-looking creature in the background. That's kind of what it looks like. Um, large vertebrae, uh, pretty clean white. 
so uh, Hannah sent a photo of the bones with her uh, golden retriever jokingly in the photograph used for scale. I mean, again, it's not very, you don't know how big the dog is. Uh, but Hannah's sister, Polly Burns, is a marine biologist, but uh, she wasn't sure what the bones belonged to, although she suspected they were from a whale. And uh, that's what I would suspect as well. Uh, many people thought this could be the Loch Ness Monster's remains. Surprised they didn't uh, fly out there or, you know, I don't think there was an airport on that island. I think you have to ride a ferry out there or, I guess, a plane, a jet or a, one of the water things. You can land in the water. Um, float plane, that's what they call it. Here, in, I don't they probably got a different name in the United Kingdom for it. Um now, a lot of people thought this was the Loch Ness Monster's remains, that this is proof that Nessie is actually dead. And others thought it could be proof that dinosaurs are still roaming the Earth. Sounds like Jurassic Park. Uh, I don't think that uh, remote island off the coast of Scotland would be home for dinosaurs. But uh, I guess you never really know. I guess you never know. Um... But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of speculation what this could have been. And the woman, one of the key factors here is the woman was new to the island. And uh, South Uist has uh, seen a huge population decrease in recent years. It's just uh, not an easy place to live. Uh, no island is. And Scotland has plenty of islands, uh, but plenty of islands are a lot closer to the mainland than this one. That uh, you can get to a, a lot easier, a lot quicker. Go back and forth if you have to. Uh, out here, you're pretty much you're on your own. And uh, it's been uh, a struggle for a lot of people. And they've been moving off the island. But uh, apparently, uh, Hannah just moved here. So word got out about this. So the story got really, really big, really, really fast. And it was circulating through all of the United Kingdom newspapers and it came to uh, came to uh, proof uh, a lot of people were you know wondering if this had been you know anyone else that stumbled upon this it's a pretty remote area uh, but it's not like uh, people just hide in their houses all the time so the skeleton was actually discovered months ago and actually appeared on a Facebook post by the US Sea Tours company and back then, uh, they had identified it as a beached sperm whale that had been stranded in the area the year prior. So, um, mystery solved by history that uh, people have actually seen the sperm whale beached. And if you ever see a whale beached, uh, you don't want to go anywhere near it. A uh, number of reasons. Uh, one, they smell really, really bad. And number two, uh, they explode after a while, especially in the heat. So stay away. Um, but once they start decomposing, yeah, you could probably you could probably do uh, DNA tests. I mean, there's some pretty good uh, chunks of bone. You could probably take it, uh, but it, it's pretty much mystery solved here at this point. It's it's obviously some sort of whale. Uh, we've seen these for years and years and years. This isn't like a uh, you get the little blob. Monsters that wash up on the beaches, and I usually the whales that looks just exactly like this, and it's the same thing, same story. 
over and over again. But yeah, uh, DNA. DNA. Um, let's see, is that a cat by the dog? I don't I think that's just a uh, a rock buried. So if, if you click on the picture in the chat room, it'll get a little bit bigger. I think it's already pretty big. Eh, no, I guess it doesn't get too big. But it looks like to me like a, a kind of a circular rock. It's got a little sand on it. So it's partially buried in the sand. Uh, that'll happen when you have a, a creature washed up on the beach. It'll have, uh, it kind of interrupts. You can see a big, heavy amount of sand behind it. So it's been there for probably a few months, if not longer. This happens quite a bit. You know, in, in the area where the island is, so it's off uh, the west coast of Scotland. So this is out in the Atlantic. And if you know anything about the currents of the Atlantic, this is where they're kind of sweeping back southward. So I'm sure if this is a, a south or west facing, uh, really any, I guess, northwest or south facing beach, you're, you're probably going to find a lot of this stuff washing up uh, over time. And if it's a shallow area, like they said, the, uh, uh, if a sperm whale gets in that kind of shallowish water, it may struggle and uh, not survive. So who knows? Maybe it was hunted, but uh, we'll never know. I don't see. No. I have to look at the bones to see. Hopefully not, though. All right. So that's your cryptid news for the end of April. Can you believe it? It's going to be May. Saturday already. Yikes. Uh, anyway, UFO news this week. And yes, it's flipping to May on Saturday. And time is running out. I'm sure you're paying attention. Uh, we're closing in on learning what the government knows about UAPs and potentially UFOs. They're going to tell us. It's coming. There's going to there's gonna be a report. I'm ready. Uh, last year, the big news in the UFO world was the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, the SSCI. Everything is an acronym or abbreviations in the government. Uh, and the Intelligence Authorization Act that aims to provide information to the general public about what the government knows about unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh, so there's actually a Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, which we found out about at the uh, Office of Naval Intelligence, and they were tasked with providing an unclassified report dealing with the analysis of UFOs or UAPs 180 days after former President Trump signed the $2.3 trillion COVID-19 relief and federal funding bill. So the clock has been ticking since December 12th of 2020, and if you do the math, you carry the five, you carry the one there, uh, take my shoe off, count my toe. Uh, that's June 25th of this year. Uh, you do the math. So it's coming pretty quick. And there are many signs that point to the high possibility. Hold your breath. The high possibility that this date will come and go. And we will not receive any information on the topic. That's more likely what I thought uh, the uh, the outcome was going to be anyway. But now it seems like a lot of people are speculating that we're not going to get anything from the government 
however, a small group of scientists are not going to take no for an answer. Uh, a press, press release and a letter to Congress by the Scientific Coalition for UPA Studies states scientists from the SCU have petitioned Congress, specifically the SSCI, to release more information on UAP to the scientific community. Uh, the SCU believes that it is time to initiate rigorous scientific analysis of all available UAP data in order to enhance ongoing intelligent assessments, unquote. It's just a fancy way of, we want to know so we can figure it out for ourselves. Uh, the SCU wants to know what the government knows about UAPs and has offered the expertise of its membership to help analyze data gathered by the Department of Defense. Uh, so the SCU and its uh, scientists, 55 of them to be exact, uh, that have signed on uh, for this uh, letter to Congress, uh, they've already analyzed the November 14, 2014 video of course, that's the uh, Nimitz Tic Tac UFO event. And they produced a whopping 270-page report. Now, I was really impressed with that. But then I went online and I read it. And I think about 40 pages are like Facebook uh, posts and replies. Just really confused about. And just they kind of state the same things over and over again in, in a few different places. But uh, the report states that the object in question demonstrates from 40 G's to hundreds of G's as it moves. Now, I try to understand. You know, I'm a pretty smart guy. But I had a hard time understanding their mathematical formula and how, it's, uh, how they can figure it out with the, uh, the limited information that you're seeing from the uh, from the view of the jet I just there's some things missing and I don't understand how they're coming to the conclusion of 40 to hundreds of g-force units uh, that would actually defy the lo known laws of nature there's no way that an object can have hundreds of g's and not just uh, completely fall apart or travel as fast as they claim that this thing is traveling without uh, a shockwave no matter what the shape is uh, so I'm not sure that uh, I'm buying this report, and a scientist should know better than to guess with limited information. So to me, there's uh, an ulterior motive here that I think is, is behind all of this, and I'm not sure what it is, but it just doesn't – something just doesn't feel right about this. Uh, a list of 55 signatures, like I said, accompanies the request for more information on the events – which uh, would then make your scientific analysis a little easier if you ha actually have information that you can utilize. Uh, they did gather a lot of stuff. You know, I made fun of the 270-page report, but there are a lot of reports, uh, exchanges of information, uh, a breakdown of the series of events. Uh, so there's a lot of information that they've already gathered, uh, most of which is already publicly released. Uh, but they did a really good job of tying together a lot of information uh, I just think that they really leapt to an illogical conclusion without having all the data at hand. But that's just me. Um, SCU Executive Board Member Robert Powell 
states, uh, quote, the goal is to encourage the Senate to avail itself of SCU experience, I'm sorry, expertise in its analysis for the UAP issue and for Senators Rubio and Warner to support SCU's request for more data from UAP videos that the Department of Defense has confirmed to be authentic. This will allow for analysis from the broader scientific community, unquote. So I think what he's saying here is that uh, this group of people, these uh, scientists, are pretty much UFO believers anyway. Uh, they're not just your average everyday scientist who maybe, you know, is a uh, one's uh, environmental scientist or one's a chemist or something like that. These are people that whatever their jobs are, uh, they're, they're fans of UFOs on top of it. Not the band, uh, but the... Uh, the phenomena of uh, UFOs. Um, that's just weird, though. It's not just the general public anymore, but it's also now the scientific community. Uh, even if they are believers, even if they're fanboys of UFOs, uh, they're tired of it. They're tired of the secrecy. And, and you would have seen 10, 15 years ago anybody with uh, fancy letters after their name uh, signing anything like this to uh, put their... Um, professional professional job on the line. I mean, this is uh, that would have been career ending 10, 15 years ago to say, hey, I'm going to petition the government to find out more about UFOs. Uh, you would have lost uh, any credibility in the scientific field uh, immediately. But now it seems like the cool thing to do. Uh, so this and other efforts, uh, I guess there was... Uh, Last weekend, there was a live stream event. I didn't hear about it until after it happened. Uh, it was called the Big Phone Home, and it was on YouTube. And there's also a website called UAP Act. Acto Now? Or UF, UAP Act Now? For, uh, by filmmaker James Fox. So James Fox was uh, behind the documentary film The Phenomenon. Now, those two things... And this uh, latest uh, letter to Congress and breakdown of the Tic Tac video, uh, are this enough to force the hand of the government, let alone the uh, clicking, uh, the uh, clicking, counting, the clock, whatever it's doing, ticking clock, I guess. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think they're just going to kind of blow it off. Let's do everything else. So I fully expect the date to come and go with a limited amount of information given to the general public or, you know, the typical excuses dished out. It's going to make everybody a little bit uneasy and wait for full disclosure or any disclosure for that matter. Uh, but it seems like there is a lot of pressure and, and people aren't just going to let it go. So you've got a lot of groups, organizations, individuals, uh, people in politics that aren't going to let this just quietly go to uh, to a countdown to, to zero and just not say anything about it. So uh, I just wonder what the SCU wants from all this other than the data, the information. What's what's their, what's their end game here? Um, I, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking that they want to be brought into the fold, uh, gather information that they're uh, probably not going to be able to divulge to the general public. 
just so they know, so they feel better about uh, what's going on. And it could add another layer of information shielding uh, to the government. Or, you know, maybe they're just trying to get attention. They're trying to get money for something. I don't know. It's just interesting that uh, another agency is uh, interested in all this stuff. And I mean, really, the, the key takeaway with this story, uh, like I said, it's it's not just your average everyday person. It's not just that crazy middle-aged guy uh, that lives in mom's basement. It's got a tinfoil hat on, watching uh, repeats of X-Files episodes, got them all memorized. Uh, it's not those people anymore. Not just them, I should say. It's It's a lot of other people. It's the crazy people in the government. It's these crazy scientists. Uh, everybody is pretty much jumping on the bandwagon. You don't hear uh, as much from the people in the trenches anymore as what you do from the government or agencies or organizations involving scientists. It's completely flipped on its head from what it was you know, even five years ago. Uh, we would have never, never dreamed that this would have happened or never thought – that we'd see the day that scientists would be putting their name. Granted, some of them redacted their names. So there's a little, you know, a little black line through it, so we don't know who they are. But you know, it's still, I think, probably 49 or 50 of these people. Uh, you can tell who they are, and they're petitioning the government for more information on UFOs. But uh, like I've said before, I don't think this is so much a, a UFO from another planet issue as it is. Uh, secret technology that it's either belonging to the United States or another government that uh, we're just trying to figure out. Uh, but granted, I also think that most of these videos that have leaked and probably a good chunk of the experiences uh, of these people, yeah, I don't, that's great that you're a professional pilot or you're trained to fly aircraft, uh, but you're not. A trained observer, especially nowadays with radar and all these other uh, pieces of technology on these jets, you're, you're basically just a person moving a stick and flying an aircraft anymore. Um, I think a lot of people are being fooled by other things, and that's leading to these a lot of these reports. Overwhelming majority of these reports are just misidentification of of natural phenomena. Uh, from anything from a brown pelican to a weather balloon uh, to anything in between. But uh, we shall see when more information is released. Granted, uh, there's also a lot of information that does move to the edge of insanity, that these things uh, are defying the laws of physics, are doing things that they shouldn't be able to do. And uh, it would be awfully scary if it was enemy technology, I think it would be more scary if it was uh, China or Russia versus being uh, something from uh, another intelligent planet. So we got what? Uh, about two months, less than two months. So we should put a countdown on the website, I think. Uh, other news this week. Uh, we had a popular story earlier this year that I think it was the end of March. So just a few weeks ago, uh, we were talking about cattle mutilations, and a lot of people really like that story. Uh, I didn't make the story up. It's, it was just in the news and uh, just covered it. Uh, but just today, the History Channel published a story 
by Adam Genos that's titled The Mysterious History of Cattle Mutilation. And unexplained livestock mutilations have been reported for centuries. Explanations range from common predators to UFOs. And uh, he's trying to figure out why this was published. Uh, I didn't see anything in the news <clears throat> other than, uh, you know, what I reported on probably about a month ago. But then I realized it all came to me as I got to the middle of the story. And I realized what they were trying to, uh, to do here, which I'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, so the story here touches on the 1975 rash of mutilations that occurred in Colorado which had nearly 200 cases between April and October. After thousands of reported mutilations, the FBI finally opened an investigation into cases that uh, took place on New Mexico's Indian land. Uh, By 1980, the FBI concluded that none of the cases it investigated showed anything out of the ordinary and that common predators were to blame. Uh, They shut the case down, and that was that. Uh, The story also states that catamulations or also sheep, horses, or other livestock seem to fall into two camps of thought as to what causes them. Uh, Probably the bigger one is unexplained phenomena. So in this camp, beliefs range from unmarked helicopters being at the root of the mutilations With, of course, the federal government being behind the stick, flying the helicopter, or private organizations doing tests on cattle. Um, Some thoughts are that uh, this was uh, being done to test biological weapons or to pressure ranchers to sell land. Uh, Other thoughts also point to cults or other ritualistic individuals or groups. Yeah. I mean, cow tipping. We all did that, I think. Uh, Doesn't really work. Uh, The unidentified camp also includes those who feel unidentified creatures, including aliens, might be the cause. Uh, This is the big reason this article was written. Since uh, this this part uh, here, they've got a little advertisement right in the middle and a nice hyperlink. Uh, They're talking about Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, Mutilations occurred in the late 1990s where the property owner saw a wolf-like creature that was three times the size of a normal wolf. Shots fired at the wolf-like creature apparently did no harm. A researcher also saw an odd humanoid creature with yellow eyes watching him from a tree. And in case you're you're, uh, not aware, a new season of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch premieres next Tuesday May 4th on the History Channel. And that's what this article was uh, really all written about. Uh, The unidentified camp also feels it's not just strange creatures, but it's also potentially extraterrestrials that are the cause to the mutilations. Uh, You know, they got tired of probing humans. So, you know, we uh, eat and drink from cows. So why not? Uh, How else do you explain surgical-like incisions and organs missing within hours of the death of the animal? How is that possible? It's not aliens. Uh, What about an animal completely drained of its blood? Huh. Well, on the other side, we have the 
uh, other animal or logical reason camp. Uh, cows just die, basically, is uh, what these people believe. Uh, veterinary pathologists state that scavengers eat the soft tissue of the animal first, which points to the missing organs. Uh, there's also the part of the death process that is known as liver mortis, not rigor mortis, but liver mortis. Uh, this is when the, the heart stops on any creature with blood. The blood will uh, eventually settle to the lowest point possible on the body thanks to gravity. And, of course, if uh, other creatures uh, are, are uh, nibbling on this uh, animal, which the uh, easiest point of contact would be ground level, uh, this, drain, or this blood would easily drain into the ground. And you wouldn't see as much, and you certainly wouldn't see it in the higher parts of the body that were exposed. So it would seem like the cow was drained, as, uh, drained of blood uh, as it would pull to the lower extremities. So, yeah, it would give you kind of an illusion so if it's on its side, you know, the if the head's raised or any other body parts raised, that there's no blood. And, you know, it would freak people out. Uh, in 1979, the Sheriff's Department in Washington County, Arkansas, conducted a study where they put a dead cow in a field for 48 hours. Bacterial bloating caused skin tears that appeared like the ones that were made by something razor sharp. So there's your uh, surgical incisions. It's actually caused by bacteria bloating. Uh, maggots and blowflies cleaned out the cow's organs as well. It's again, soft tissue. Uh, essentially, the animal just looked like the ones that were purportedly killed by cults, aliens, or secret government organizations. There's no difference. Uh, it's also thought the cattle mutilations being seen as something sinister or mysterious is also a way for ranchers to express economic anxiety and or the resentment for the government interfering with agriculture. So you go back to that time frame of the mid-1970s, uh, looking at the actual death rates of cattle, uh, looking at studies, uh, death rates were no higher in years prior or after the mutilation reports of the 1970s. So why did they get so many news reports? Why was it uh, a big deal? This was on some of the uh, network uh, TV shows. I don't think there was networks back then, but big TV shows. It was in the news. It was on the front page of newspapers. You know, these uh, paper things that people used to get thrown at their houses that they would read, eating their Wheaties in the morning. Uh, these reports also surfaced as a concern as the domestic price for cattle feed went up due to the government sending a lot of grain to countries in need. Uh, around the same time, President Richard Nixon intermittently froze the price of beef and other meat domestically to battle inflation. So uh, these two events created massive losses for the cattle industry, uh, as well as stress for ranchers, which is uh, probably the reason why they focused on the losses of their animals compared to other years. It just uh, was a bigger deal when there was uh, financial pressure versus when there's not. Oh, and in case you're wondering, don't forget, a new season of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch premieres next Tuesday, May 4th, on the History Channel. Um, I don't think I finished that. I think I just kind of fell off. I watched the first couple episodes and... Ah, it just seemed like created drama. 
And it really didn't seem like it was uh, all that much. I, I'd have to go back and watch that. I wonder if it's uh, repeating on History Channel so I can catch up on that show. But uh, hopefully they show it during the week here. I don't know if it's – I'm sure they have a streaming channel. Probably costs 50 bucks a month. But anyway, probably end up watching the debut. We'll see. Uh, but that is it for this week. I do appreciate everybody – Popping into chat and uh, appreciate you also who, yeah, right here. No, next to you, that guy. Yeah. For uh, downloading the show, listening to it uh, during the week after the, after the fact that it was live. Uh, but I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck and always keep your mind slightly ajar. Above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.